Life Church, it is so great to be with you again this weekend as we get to kind of just share God's word with one another. And again, uh, whether you are joining us live at one of our four campuses or online, we welcome you. We're excited that you're here. And uh, we're starting a brand new message, a brand new series actually this weekend called Leave Your Mark. Uh, It's about legacy moments, as I would call them. It would be, hey, at the end of everything that you do in life, and kind of at the end, really, what do you leave behind? Um, and not, we're not, not that I'm wanting to get to the end of anything, but the truth of the matter is, is whatever legacy, whatever memory, whatever you leave, the mark that you leave on this earth that cannot be erased, that doesn't happen the day you die. That happens from a life that you've lived. That happens from actions from today that play out tomorrow. And so what are those? What's important? How, what, what do I do today that really has an, an eternal effect? What do I do today that really makes a difference? Not just in my world today, but how do I kind of make that mark uh, that can't be erased? And so this weekend, as we start the very first sermon in this series, it, it's called The Most Important Thing. The Most Important Thing. If I was to title this sermon, it's The Most Important Thing. And it's a conversation that the religious leaders of the day have with Jesus about okay, there's a whole lot of things going on. There's a whole lot of teaching. There's a whole lot of ideas. What is the most important thing that we should do on this planet, Jesus? And Jesus answers this question. So if you have your Bible, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 28. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you here in just a moment as we get ready to read this. Jesus answers this question. So today, as we're talking about the most important thing, legacy, leaving your mark, Jesus says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind. Sorry, I misread that. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Verse 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Verse 32. Well, said the teacher, or well said the teacher, uh, that the man replied, Uh, You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor yourself is the most important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, the law that's being referred to here is what we would call the Old Testament, what kind of God's word. And in the law, the Levitical law that was given through Moses to the people of, of, of Israel... There are 613 written commandments and over 1,400 oral commandments. These are 613 you should do or you should not do statements and over 1,400 verbal commands. So in essence, there's like 2,000 plus commands that you have to remember not to violate or to do at any given time. 
And they're having this full conversation, and, and, and they ask Jesus, what is the most important? What, 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 what do we do? How? Because there's no way that anybody can keep up with 2,000 uh, rules, if you would, right? 2,000 commands, 2,000 do's or don'ts. There's just no, you, you can't remember all of that or keep it all together. And that's what they were trying to do. And so Jesus doesn't just quote of himself. Jesus goes back to the law and Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter number 19 when he says to love the Lord God your, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. So he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's Leviticus chapter 19. These this, this is all part of the law. And he pulls that out and basically says, if you do these two things, you've, you, have, you will keep the entirety of the essence of the 2,000 rules that the law gives us. Jesus first establishes who God is, though, before he gets into that. Did you notice that? He, before he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbors yourself, he says this, that he is the one true living God, that our God is one. He preeminates him. He puts him at the very top. And then at, at, when you have that understanding that God is one, that God is numero uno, that he's at the top of the food chain, that he's commandment number one. Again, when you do that, then the two factors that kind of come into place are, are these statements that Jesus gives us. If someone could enter into the throne room of heaven right now and kneel before God and ask the creator, what is the main thing you expect of me? The essence is, is that he would say, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And if you said, okay, God, I can do that. Is there anything else I should do? Oh, yes, by the way, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. It's like three different levels of, of love. There's loving God at the very top. There's loving your neighbor. How? As you love yourself. So you love God, you love your neighbor, then you love you. You are third. If you'll put God number one, your neighbor in front of yourself, and yourself third. If you'll live life that way, in essence, you'll fulfill the essence of what God's word is all about. You will fulfill God's word. So I want to unpack that just for a minute. It's kind of like a ladder. It's God, it's our neighbor, and it's ourself. I want to unpack that. And so the first thing I want to look at when we talk about the most important thing we can do in legacy is to love God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Love God. Real simple. Let's go back to verse number 28. And when the teachers of the law came and heard of them debating, noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, and he asked him, of all the commandments, what's the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God is one, he's at the very top, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, makes a statement about this phrase. He says this, quote, Do not waste your time bothering whether you, quote, love your neighbor. Act as if you did. And soon, and as soon as we do this, we'll find one of the great secrets. When, when we are behaving as if, we, as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. When you so focus on what Jesus is saying here, the truth of the matter is, is that you automatically do what God's asking you to do. So he says, I want you to love me with all of your, or love God with all of your heart. Your heart, that's the core of your being. It's the place of affection. It's 
place number one, the number one priority, the number one focus. It's also your heart is the place of salvation. It's a place where it all begins. You can never do the most important thing in life if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe today you're watching and you don't have that personal relationship with Christ. Maybe you believe in Jesus. Maybe you're cool with him. Maybe you were raised in church or baptized and the faith that you grew up in kind of, but you never said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord and be my savior. I want to give you that opportunity. And I just want to stop right here in this moment and right where you are, it's not about posture. It's not even about eyes closed or head bowed, or it's not even a special words that you say. But if you will accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and if you believe that God loved you so much that he gave Jesus to die on the cross for your sins in your place, and that Jesus did that and he rose from the grave, just like the Bible says, and that you will confess, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe Jesus, you are my salvation. Save me from my sins. You will put Jesus Christ number one in your life. You will begin to fulfill what Jesus is saying is the most important thing, which is to love God with all of your heart. So if you haven't done that, do that right now. And if you've done that before and you, you're just kind of far away from the Lord, just stop for a moment and just say, God, forgive me. I want to, make, I want to rededicate my life and I want to give all that I have to you. It's that simple. This is what this is what Jesus is saying when he says, love God with all of your heart. Put him number one at the very core, the very center of your life. Make him number one. He says, love him with all of your soul. Now, your soul is a little bit different than your heart. It's the inner being. It's your desires. It's your emotions. It emanates from the heart, but it's kind of, it, it encapsulates the heart, but it radiates. It, it's, it's, the, it's the basis or the starting point of my purpose or my focus in life. Is God and your love for him is it based, do you base your purpose and your focus in life and how you do your life? You should. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should. You don't dichotomize life and God and put him, well, this is what I do on Sunday, but this is what I do during the rest of the week. No, no, no. God is, all things are spiritual. And so, so the Bible says that we are all called either to vocational ministry, which, which means you derive your income or, or your living or your full time. This is what you do, which is what I, I'm a vocational minister. It's my calling. It's my career. It's, it's, it's whatever. But we're all called to be ministers, and so if you don't do that, then you are a marketplace minister, which means you work for company so-and-so, or you own company so-and-so, or you own business so-and-so, or, or, you're, or you're a contractor, you're a school teacher, you're an engineer, you're a doctor, you're an attorney, you're a business owner, you, 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 you're a factory worker, you, you're, you're, you're an office worker, what, whatever it may be, you, you go and you do that. But that doesn't just define you. The greatest thing that defines you is that God here is my life and you have your will and you have your way and, and you, you have your purpose in me. And so when, when we love God with all of our soul, what we're saying is, is that I want the purpose of my life to be based upon him. I, I want the, the focus of my life to be based, based upon him. And then he says, love him with all your mind. That's your intellect. That's your thoughts. That's your will, your volition. Can I help you with something? Don't check your brains out at the door when it comes to walking with Jesus. God gave you a brain. Use it. But you go, Aaron, sometimes the intellectual thoughts that I have, they kind of come in conflict with Scripture. That's good. Why is that good? Because it makes you think. 
It makes you process. It makes you, listen, you're a finite creature. You have a beginning and an end, and you're trying to understand the mind of, a finite, of, an, of an infinite creator. It's a bit impossible. But the journey, especially if you're stimulated intellectually, is something that's worth taking because you began to understand the depths. You began to understand bits and pieces. You began to connect it together. Paul says this side of eternity is like looking through stained glass. But the truth of the matter is, is God wants not just to engage our heart and our soul, but he also wants to engage our mind. He wants us to think. He wants us to be stretched. He wants us to wrestle with things. Sometimes it may take a couple of hours or a couple of days. Hey, it may even and be a lifetime. Paul says, look, there are certain things this side of eternity I just don't get. It's not checking your brains out at the door. It's literally involving your mind and your intellect, loving God in that way. And he says, love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's your physical capacity. That's your body. That's the physical mass of your body. And some of us, our masses are bigger. Amen. And, and the energy, uh, uh, it, 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 it's bringing the body under, under submission. It, it, it's, it's, you know what? When my heart is right, it informs my soul. And when my soul is right, it informs my mind. And then eventually it comes out in a physical display of how I live my life. That's what Jesus is talking about. So that when people, people can't see my heart, People can't see my soul. People can't see my thoughts, but they can see my actions. That I love God so much that it comes out in my actions, not just at church on the weekends, but it comes out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It comes out when everybody's looking and when no one's looking. It's not that I'm perfect, but it's, there's a difference in that person. There's a difference in that individual. I knew them when, and man, what happened? They, they, are, they used to be meaner than a junkyard dog, and now God has completely changed them. It's loving God with all of this. See, I love God when, I, when obeying him is a primary passion of my life. That's what it means to love God with all of my capacities. John's gospel Chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. The truth of the matter is, is that when I love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, it informs every part of me, and I listen to God's word, and I obey it. How do you know someone is loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength? You see it in their life. You see it in their actions. You see it in physically, you see it in them. You see Jesus in their actions. They're obeying God's word. Not that they're perfect, but they're obeying God's word. And this is a great just kind of timeout gut check for all of us. How am I doing with that? How am I, am I living my life in such a way that people at my office or people at my workplace, people in my neighborhood, people at the gym, people at the grocery store, people at the restaurant, that they see a change in me? Do they see Jesus in me? Or are they shocked to find out that I'm a Christ follower? It's not a real good thing when they're shocked to find out that you're a Christ follower. Love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's number one. Number two, love people. Love people. If you're taking notes, write that down. Love people. Let's read on in verse 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
This is it. So when you talk about loving God, you can't just love him without loving people. The Bible says if you can't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God in heaven whom you haven't? And today, especially in America, there's a lot of question about, but this person believes this. And this person, uh, uh, this person has this differing view than me or, or this different opinion. Okay. Love does not mean I accept everything that you do. That love, excuse me, love doesn't mean I approve everything that you do. Love just means that God's loved me, therefore I'm going to love you. I'm going to accept that God loves you. The approval, that's not mine to give or withhold. I have opinions, absolutely, but I'm just going to love you. Whether you're a person that is on the other side of a counter at, at, at a Target, whether, whether you are someone that's, that's bringing food to my table that I've just ordered, whether you are someone that I'm crossing paths with walking down a hallway at the office, regardless who you are, I'm just going to be kind and I'm going to love you. And I'm going to love you as I would love myself. I'm just going to love you. And me loving you, regardless what you do, doesn't mean I'm approving of your actions. It just means that I know that God values you. And because God values you and loves you, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to let God's love shine through me. See, the wrong question is to ask, who, who is my neighbor that I have to love? Do I, do I have to love this person? Do I have to love that person? Well, this person's a Republican. Do I have to love them? This person's a Democrat. Do I have to love them? This person's an independent. Do I have to love them? This person didn't vote in the election. Do I have to love them? This, 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 well, this, this person is, is of this race or this ethnicity or, or of this social class or of this. Yes, that's the total wrong question to ask. The right question is to ask, to whom can I be a neighbor? To whom can I be a neighbor? Who... Who's out there that I can love? Who, who's out there that I can love? See, the English word neighbor means near dweller. Near dweller. The person that dwells, the person that exists, the person that's living next to me. I don't always get to control that. I don't know about you, but I didn't buy every house in, in the neighborhood that I live in. <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. I barely, I'm, I'm really doing well to pay for my house. Amen. So I don't get to control whoever lives in the condo next to me or the apartment next to me or the house next to me, but they are my neighbor. And my neighborhood, I have white people. I have Asian people. I have African-American people. I've got people from all parts of the world. I've got all, people that do all types of things, people that work, work all different types of jobs and different, I, I've got people, to be honest, I don't even completely know, know them that well. I just say, hi, how are you? And whatever, and that's it. I know the people that I kind of, I know their names and know a little bit more about them. The truth of the matter is, is that I don't control any of those people. I don't have a choice over any of those people. I don't dictate any of their lives, but I'm their neighbor. And God's called me to love them, even if they don't serve the same God that I serve, even if they didn't vote the same way that I voted, even if they don't live in the same whatever or, or come from the same background or from the same nation that I was raised in. No, they're a person next to me. In the Greek, this word neighbor would be translated anyone around you at any time. Near dweller can be someone in the cubicle next to you. You didn't get to control that. 
Working on the factory floor next to you, you don't get to control that. Working in the office next to you, you don't have to say over that. Someone that's just in proximity with you because you happen to right now be working at a coffee shop or, or they're on a Zoom call with you or whatever it may be. It's, it's anyone who is in your proximity of your world. That's your neighbor. And you can't restrict your love to any race or place or case or space because it's all about grace. Say that three times. Amen. We love other people because God first loved us. And the third thing I want to say that I never really caught before is, uh, I know I said that last week about the sermon that I was preaching, and you probably don't think I read the Bible, but I just, I have quoted this verse over and over and over and over and over. But I was reading an old uh, manuscript from an old Baptist minister that's gone on to be with the Lord, and, uh, and he's got some, some great writings. And uh, he made this statement in here is that, is that uh, he gave the analogy of the latter, of it being God and others. We love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And then we love ourselves. I never saw the love me. But that's what it says. Go, go back to verse number 31. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning that you're to love God and you're to love your neighbor, but you're also to love yourself. And I got to thinking about that. How many times do you not have the ability to love other people because you don't love yourself? And for some of you, that's a foreign thought. I get that. So just kind of hang on with me because you think you're all that, right? I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But others of you have a really hard time because maybe it's something that you've done in the past. Maybe it's something you've said. Maybe it's something that, you've, that you're a part of. Maybe it's something that had nothing to do with you. Maybe it's something that happened to you. And for whatever reason, you just have a hard time loving you. Can I tell you that until you love you, You'll never really be able to love your neighbor and really be able to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You've got to see you as God sees you. God doesn't see you with all the faults and the failures and the issues, with mistakes and sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when we ask God to forgive us of our sin, He's faithful. He'll do it every time. He's just. He has the ability to do it. Forgive us of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. All means everything. And he takes our sin and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. The east and the west never meet. God remembers our sin no more. So when God sees you, he sees you as great. Scale of one to 10, he sees you as a 10. 10 being the very highest you can get. He sees you like an A++. He, he, you are his child. The apple of his eye. And it may take you a while to see yourself that way, but I would encourage you. As you're striving to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, as you're striving to love your neighbors yourself, and you're leaving a mark and a legacy in doing that, you got to love you. Because if you can't love you, you can't do the other two. Now I want to kind of land the plane because at the end, of the end of the day, our, our lives boil down to the memory and the legacy that, of our actions that we leave behind. And how you live your life today will really determine what you leave behind tomorrow. 
So I don't really want to, I want to take tomorrow in focus, but I want to focus on today because tomorrow will take care of itself if we will just focus on today. That's what Jesus said. But if you don't manage today well, tomorrow is not going to turn out the way you want it to. Legacy. How will you be remembered? Let me ask you just two quick questions. Will you be remembered for how you love God? Will you be remembered for how you love God? Will your kids and your grandkids, your friends, your family members, will they say, man, Aaron had a passionate love for Jesus. Wow. And will they sit around and tell stories of how you love God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength? Will they all have different interactions to be able to see your passionate love for God? About a year ago, I was at a funeral of a fellow minister, a friend of mine. And he wasn't quite 60 years of age, very tragic situation. And he went in for a routine procedure, relatively so, had a complication and died in the hospital. And I, I was there and I mean, the, the viewing, it was hours to get in just to be able to, 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 to see the family and to, to view the body. The, the, it was, it, the, the funeral the next day was just packed with this mega auditorium of the first floor and the balcony and all of that. And all these people said great things and people flew in from, uh, some people from even around the world came in to, to, to pay their respects to this minister who had, who had so, you know, had blessed them and helped them and whatever. But of everything that was said that day, I remember one statement that was made by this pastor's uh, middle daughter. He had three daughters. She said, when my dad passed, I, I live out of state and I came in. And she said, I, I went and I sat in his car to try to feel the presence of my dad. And it wasn't there. I went into his closet and I put on his suit coat that he had preached in Sunday just to try to kind of cover myself, to hug myself. And I didn't sense he wasn't there. I went to his office and, and I sat in his study and, and I began to go through a couple things he had on his, his, his desk just to try to tactically, just try to feel he's not there. She said, but do you know when I felt the presence of my dad? It was later that day I got alone and began to pray and give some things to the Lord. And it was in that moment that the presence of the Lord filled the place I was in and I could sense the presence of my father. And I thought for myself, man, as a dad of two daughters, what a great legacy that someone who, it's not about the car they drive or the job they had or the clothes that they wore, but where that child connected with the presence of their earthly father was in the presence of God the Father. That's how I want my kids to remember me. That's how I want you, the Lord Terry, my grandkids to remember me. 
for as long as anyone knows. I, I hope that people will say it wasn't about the car he drove or the clothes he wore or the job that he did. But when I get into the presence of God the Father, because he loved God so much. Will you be remembered for your love for God? And the second question is, will you be remembered for how you loved your neighbor? What are you doing? What have you done? What strategy do you have that you are actively, intentionally showing love to your neighbor? Jesus says it's the second greatest thing you can do. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And number two, love your neighbors yourself. Of any legacy move that you have, loving your neighbors yourself. When was the last time that you did something that showed love for your neighbor? When was the last time? Maybe it was you began to pray for someone and they don't even know it. Maybe it was a card that you wrote. Maybe it was a call. Maybe it was a visit. Maybe it was you, you did some act of kindness to serve your neighbor. Maybe it was that you just absorbed their pain and you didn't throw it back on them, right? Because hurting people hurt people. And so sometimes our neighbors can say things and do things that they're not really sh shooting at you. They're just frustrated. They're mad. When, when did you, I'm just going to, I'm going to invite them over. I'm going to go over. I know we live in this crazy time right now with this COVID-19 and, and they're telling us, you know, don't even have Thanksgiving together and don't do this together and all of that. I, I'm just saying a phone call, an email, a letter. Uh, hey, I'm going to drop something off and just leave it at the door for you. Hey, is there something I can do to help? Do you, I, I noticed that right now you're, you're kind of, maybe I could break your leaves or maybe I could, could, could help plow the drive or, or maybe I could serve you over here or let, let me help you with this. Or just giving people grace. Or you know something else I've thought about lately? When was the last time that in my going about, I intentionally shared the love of Jesus and either told them about Jesus, uttered his name, witnessed, I know that's really old school, or invited them to come to Life Church. People are still coming, whether it's online or it's in person. Matter of fact, I, I, got, a, I got a message this week from somebody who's watching online that hasn't, it's really probably having a real struggle right now and they've kind of fallen away from the Lord. And they just said, I just want you to know I'm really lost. I'm really kind of lost in my faith. I don't even know if God really understands or gets me, but I've been watching. And what you're saying is so inspiring and encouraging. And it's drawing me closer to God in a way I don't even completely understand it. Invite him. Join me online. Join me in person. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Legacy. Leaving a mark that can't be erased. The most important thing you can do today that will affect tomorrow is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. And I ask you that you would help us to take your word and to apply it. It's simple. Show us. Show us where we're falling short or show us where the opportunities are that we can step up and meet the need. Help us, God. Our desire is to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our desire is to love our neighbors we love ourselves. So help us today to leave a mark that can't be.